Um, hi, everybody. Um, yeah, uh, it's always, it's always a, a little nerve-wracking when you have to speak at the front. Um, one, because you do feel really exposed. I don't know if that happens to you. You know, when, when someone approaches you, a team came to me and he said, oh, um, would you like to speak? You don't really want to say no. <laughs> um, but if you say yes, you suddenly, suddenly become aware that, you know, you can't come to the front and then just talk a lot of gibberish, which is what I do most of the time. <laughs> but um, this time I felt God's put something in my heart to share with you that it's not something that I really would want to talk about, um, mainly because it, it direct, directly involves me as a person, because it, it's been a big challenge about to, from God towards me in, in the first place. And um, it... It really is difficult to, to begin to sort of put it together and uh, over the last few weeks I've been, I've been thinking a lot about what actually am I going to say, how am I going to say it, how do I not offend people, how do I try to get the right you know, words to, to say and blah blah blah. And um, yeah, I really pray that it comes out why, uh, the right way. So um, the, the challenge is that... Um, over a, over a long period of time, us as Christians, we can we can really lose our way and and begin to sort of completely overlook the the most important thing that is in in knowing God. And um, this began this began to sort of be the, the the way I felt God was speaking to me when we were talking somewhere. Was it? I'm not sure if it was in the prayer meeting here or somewhere else, but, but Alice, who's not here today, I think, um, she said, all it takes for, for someone to, to basically be lost at sea is to just do nothing, you know, just do nothing. You don't need to sort of, uh, you know, go deep in, in, into the oceans. You just need to basically get in the water and do nothing, and, you know, you'll eventually find yourself completely lost at sea. And, and that's also what can happen to us as Christians. We can simply just do nothing, or think that we're okay, think that we, we're doing well, things are all right, and then the next thing we know, we're completely lost at sea. And the final thing that, you know, I felt God was saying to me is what actually Simon just said a little bit early. So, you've stolen my thunder, Simon. I'm joking. <laughs> and and the, the simple truth is, is um, do we really desire God? And it, it was a, a, a big moment that happened to me about three weeks ago, um, that I felt really like, you know, uh, the truth answer is actually, no, I don't, you know, because you are so full of other things in your life, you're full of other desires, you're full of other commitments, that if someone just stops you and asks you a point-blank question, and you are honest enough to admit it, you, your desire is not for God, it really isn't, it's for lots of other things, so that's what I'm going to try to um, share with you today is, is a massive challenge uh, that I, I, I sort of I felt God's put on me and I really want to share with you but it's not all gloom and doom so um, we're going to start with um, this psalm psalm 37 which is basically the the, the main bit of scripture where more or less I'm going to be talking about today and and the most important part we will read it a little bit later it, it's not so much where most people seem to be familiar with this with this text but it is. Um, but we'll look at it in a different way. Then we're going to talk about uh, the world's desires, the things in the world that, you know, the world as a, as a sort of an entity spires towards. Uh, Christian distractions, this is one of my favorites. 
historical divisions, um, lack of empathy, and um, out of the abundance of the heart, you know what follows. And certainty beyond the grave. Um, so we're going to start with um, the world and its desires. So we, the Bible, the Bible says that Jesus prayed that God will protect us from the world, but not to take us out of the world. You know, uh, and it's important to realize that we live in a world that is constantly bombarding us with all sorts of personal desires and ambitions for us to follow and pursue. You know. Um, the most biggest one these days is you can be great, you know. You can do all things, you can achieve your dreams, you can, I don't know. These, these days there is hundreds and hundreds of um, uh, motivational speakers that, that will tell you about these techniques and surround yourself with people and blah, 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 which is absolute nonsense, basically. And you will get rich or die trying. <laughs> you know where, where that comes from, actually? Um, a very famous um, uh, record-selling debut album by a, a rapper called 50 Cent, if anyone is familiar. It's called Get Rich or Die Trying. Interestingly enough, this man today is rather depressed and bankrupt. And that's actual true. Um, success and recognition. Um, if we really are honest to ourselves, right, we all want these things, you know, we all want them because that's just simply who we are as people. We, we can't deny the fact that, no, 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 I don't want to be successful. Oh, no, no, I don't want recognition for all the amazing things I do. You do. You do want them. You, you aspire for these things. But all these things, right, are things of this world. The Bible says, you know, don't, don't desire the things of this world. Right now, in 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 a sense, it it isn't necessarily wrong to 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 desire these things, but at what cost? At what length? You know, what what is it gonna take for you to get to these things? And that's where the problem begins. Um, most of the time, the actual um, end of uh, the desires of the world, it's basically absolute and total disillusion. I I put this little um, capitalism pyramid. And the king of the pyramid, it's profit, <laughs> you know. There, there is a sense that everything that we do in this world, it's just simply done for the love of money. And um, Ecclesiastes says, uh, Solomon, at the, end of his life, came to, at the end of his life, came to realize that everything in this world is meaningless, completely meaningless. You know, what people do for their, all, for their hard work, you know, nothing. Generations come, generations go, but the world never changes. Another way is to say the, the earth remains the same. So if you, if you think, well, what's wrong with wanting a career, with wanting success, with wanting a bigger house, with you know, a good balance in the bank account, nothing wrong, nothing wrong with it. But it's totally meaningless in the end. It really is. And you can take it from Solomon, who had all the money in the world, all the success in the world, all the fame in the world. Um, he, he realized late in his life that it's all meaningless. So, on this note, I'd like to say that I'm not trying to, de you know, um, devere you from having a career or anything like that, but that will not fulfill you as a person. And now, on that note, you can come to Christ and you can do exactly the same, but within Christianity, you know. Uh, Christianity is so wide and so vast that you can have um, exactly all these same ambitions within Christianity. You know, so um, 
This is uh, my favorite list of uh, Christian distractions, and I probably have fallen short of all of them myself. You know, um, I probably spent, I would say, the last maybe 10 years of my life probably following some of these things to a certain extent. And again, you know, if you are honest enough, you will admit that that's actually what you want to do in your life with your time, uh, you know, with your energy. It's you want to grow. You know, as a church, you want to grow. If you're a minister or a pastor, you, you want to grow as a church. You don't want to be small. But if this is what is driving you, if this is your desire, then, you know, you miss the point. Next one is you want to be influential. You know, you want to influence people. Uh, you want to have a say on things, I don't know, within local authorities, within, within a network of churches, within your own household, within your own, you know, church. And again, these are the things that we as people always want to do. It just sort of comes naturally to, to us. You, you look at other people and you think, oh, look at them, look what they're doing, look, look how uh, influential they've become, and you kind of want the same. You know, you want the same. And in a sense, you know, who's to say that, that that's actually wrong? But is it a distraction? Is it a distraction? And, and this has really been really hard for me to, to actually put together because every single time I, I type one of these words, it's really God telling me, but you've done that. And I have to say, uh, yes, it's true, actually. You know. it, takes, it takes a certain amount of um, courage to even admit it. You know, Because the last thing you want to do sometimes is just even admit it in your mind. You don't even want to think it. It's just... Don't don't say it, but you know that's actually what happens. Another thing is into like intellectual nuances, and this is actually um, a thing that I've realized it, it happens more often than you think. You know, oh, but did he say that? Oh, uh, is it this way? But what about that way? But you know, and and then we can spend um, massive amounts of time, absolutely wasted. On, on literal uh, is an if, but is it a but, is it in, is it on, and so on and so on and so on. And we can go through our lives like this at times. Or, or, or maybe waste maybe a year or two, you know, fixated on little things and little that and the grammatical errors, but makes a massive difference, you know. And again, I've done that myself, you know, plenty of times. Theological differences, this is not, not no surprise, nothing new, but it's... Um, it's such a massive, massive problem, you know. People will divide, uh, you know, um, entire churches, congregations over whether, you know, the rapture exists or it doesn't. You know, whether, I don't know, there are so many things, you know, uh, that you read in the Bible that, you know, you, you heard some preacher talk about and somebody else has heard somebody else talk about it. you got different opinions, different views, and then that's the end of your, uh, you know, your relationship with a person. Uh, based on some theological difference. And wh wh what does it do? What's the end result? It's an absolute waste of time, you know. And I've come to really realize um, at my age that I've spent maybe a good part of my Christian life just, just arguing in my mind over why, how on earth can people believe that and not believe this. You know, have you ever done that? You know, for a very, very long time, you just think, oh, but these these people, I mean, how how could they how could they believe such a stupid thing? Like, oh, it's so obvious, you know. And then what you're doing is you you're actually wasting your energy on something that is totally pointless. It, it leads to nothing. It brings out nothing good. It, it may makes you makes you look a bit like you know someone who is not very nice to talk to, really. You know, and you know what have you gained? nothing really and again I've done this for a very long time and, and it's actually quite embarrassing to admit it to be honest 
Um, and my, my favorite is Mythical Quests. Um, since, I'm, since I was a child, I, uh, I have a massive fascination for, for Greek mythology and, and things of all. And, and the Bible pr provides you plenty of ammunition for you to go on massive mythical quests, you know. And I'm, I've shortlisted some of my favorites, which I'll tell you in a minute. But again, you know, you could be in Christianity, you could be, um, you know, experiencing you know, uh, you know, a, a Christian life, but you're absolutely wasting your time and your energy on some things that are absolutely pointless. And the reason why I said they are pointless is because I've experienced them myself and nothing really good comes out of it. You know, you, you, you will ex you'll ex spend a lot of times reading and researching and all you get at the end is just a bit of worthless knowledge. Worthless knowledge. Absolutely worthless. So here's my short list. This is the things that I've spent maybe the past 10 years of my life uh, as a hobby, as a pastime, sometimes a bit more aggressively than others, just really get into the, the bottom of it, just simply because I'm curious and, you know, have a lot of fascination. Nimrod and the Tower of Babel. Um, this story, everybody knows it, but if you look a bit deeper, there's a lot more to this story than you think. And, and a lot of it actually reflects to modern society today and also is the, birth, the birthplace or time of some of the most ancient and most powerful, um, or you could say the most evil, you know, cults in the world today. They began around this time. And they began on this principle, they claim, that God said if, if man came together, if mankind came together, you know, with one mind and one accord, then nothing would be impossible for them. And this is taken completely out of context and to the extreme. And, and since these days, there are, there are plenty of cults that believe and strive to repeat this today. And that sounds, wow, nice. But what have you gained out of it? You know, what, what has changed in your life? Nothing. Nothing's changed. Now you know something you didn't, and you're exactly the same person. Next, the angelic and human incursion of Genesis 6. Um, this is my, one of my favorites. And again, I spend, um, as my wife probably knows, a long time researching and reading about this. Uh, and yeah, it's, it is fascinating, it's super interesting, and there's a lot of things you discover that will completely like, shock you, change your, your, your perception of the world in which we live and so on. But again, what, what happens? Nothing happens. <laughs> You're still the same old uh, you know, person with all your faults and defects, and, and the Holy Spirit is done nothing in your life. You go, you go no testimony to, to share with anyone about anything in your life, all you know it's just you know something about, uh, you know, an event that happened thousands of years ago that someone else doesn't. And, and how does that benefit you? It doesn't benefit you. You know, it doesn't. It makes maybe good conversation, maybe on a Saturday afternoon, but no more than that. And this is what I want to say. I've experienced this for myself, and, um, and I can say that when you are on this process, you know, when you are after all these things, right, you are 100% sure that what you're doing is godly, right? There's no doubt in your mind that this is, is something worth, worth pursuing, you know? Why? Well, why is in the Bible? Is God? Is the devil? Duh, 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 you know? And, and actually you realize this has got nothing to do with God in a sense that is actually benefiting you as a human being. Nothing, nothing at all. It's, you might as well go to the library and read Harry Potter and The Lord of the Rings and Narnia and all of that sort of stuff. And actually this list by the end will probably look like is, 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 the, is the basis for most modern 
um, you know, fantasy movies. Another one, Fruitcakes and the Queen of Heaven. Any, any of you heard of this one? Hmm? This one is in the Bible. Not, not many of you know about it, but it's there, and it's very interesting. Again, it's, it's one of those things that you can get, oh, I want to know about that. Hmm? And then ex spend the next two years of your life absolutely wasting your time and your energy. So I would say, if you were to follow any of these things, when you get to the very bottom of it, you will despair because you just wasted your time. Another one, Job and the Leviathan, or Leviathan, whichever you want to say it. Another fascinating story in the Bible, another one which I've spent lots of time looking into it, because I just love all this stuff, you know, it's just it's fascinating. And again, yeah, all right, you go to the bottom of it, now what? Where are my kids? Where's my wife? Where's my family? Oh, mm, mm. yeah, but I know about Leviathan, mm, you know? Again, it absolutely wastes the time. And, and again, guys, I will say to you, this may be my little list of things, but you might have your own, or, or you might have something that's completely altogether different. But again, ask yourself a question. At what point in this is this benefiting us as God would like us to be benefited from spending time in his presence? And this is where I think Simon sort of just said it earlier today. You know, there are so many benefits in, in spending time in the presence of God for our lives that spill over to other people, to our families, to our communities, that is just so much more beneficial than, than any of this might look like. Another one, the stones of fire. Da -da -da. Anyone know anything about the stones of fire or where that comes from in the Bible? No, but it's very interesting again, you know, very interesting. Um, and finally, Gabriel and the devil fight for the body of Moses. Anyone ever heard this story before? Yeah, know what it is in the Bible? It's very interesting. And, and again, this is a tiny little section of the Bible in the book of Jude, but it opens up a massive window into this amazing world that we don't know anything about. But again, once you've learned everything there is to learn and you know everything there is to know and all the possible theories about what this is about, what have you gained? Nothing. Literally. I've done it myself. <laughs> Apart from just knowing lots of our, uh, you know, historical events from hundreds of thousands of years ago, it doesn't do anything towards you as a person. So at this point, I'd like to say there is also another problem, historical divisions. And, and this is another three or four slides that are already prepared. And by the time I come, come to realize, it's actually totally a waste of time to even do it. So I just did that. Um, since the early church, the church has split so many times that I couldn't care to actually number or count. But again, this is, this is people and their desires for something that they are totally devoted to, which in the end, what, what has it done for the church today? To, to split it between Orthodox and Catholic, between Catholic uh, and Protestant and Anglican and the Roman and the Reformation. And the, 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 you know, re really, if you think about this, if you look at this graph in the last maybe 2,000 years, how many people can say that because of the uh, divisions of the church, they've come to believe in Christ? Because of this, not because someone told them about Jesus, but because of, because of now, oh. Uh, and actually, if you, you can't really read it, but at the bottom it says, both the Catholic uh, Eastern Church and the Roman Catholic Church, they both claim to be the one true church. Isn't that just ridiculous, isn't it? You know, uh, again, this is a, a massive destruction for people today because, oh, if you're Pentecostal, I'm not, not sure if I can trust you. Or, 
or if you if you're Baptist or charismatic or uh, you know. Uh, and again, so many times we we as human beings are just so fixated on on the little things that don't really matter. Don't really matter, you know. Um, I was having a, a a little laugh with some people from our home group because the last DVD we watched this this presenter kept on doing funny scenes with his hands and everyone just sort of focused on that and it was a bit funny not not that I found it funny at the time but it, it was funny but then isn't that just simply our nature we just we, we, we have God the creator of heaven and earth who has done a massive 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 incredible beyond belief uh, work of salvation and redemption for us and oh, we're like oh yeah but you know you're orthodox and I'm not and I'm not sure about that, you know. Are we not just wasting our time, our energy, uh, our resources, everything, in just completely, totally pointless things that we strive on for years and years, and, and we commit our entire lives to these things, and in the end, does it really matter? Does it really matter? You know, if, if someone like Solomon, who was the wisest man that ever lived, the richest man that ever existed, according to people, uh, the most famous man, in the ancient world, you know, people knew about him, you know, in faraway places without internet or, you know, telephone or TV, you know, and people knew of his fame. He was well-renowned. And he says at the end of his life, everything is meaningless under the sun. So what are we to learn from this? That our pursuits, right, might be, might be right, might be worth, I don't know, an endeavor, but to what to what degree do we commit ourselves to following these things? Psalm 37, here we go. It says, do not fret. Um, I look for the translation or, or the meaning of the word fret, and it basically means anxious. And that means, um, the Bible says, don't have anxiety, which is a word that is very known these days. Everybody seems to suffer from anxiety and, and, and you know people get prescriptions for anxiety well the Bible says do not be anxious because of evil men or the <coughs> or or be envious of those who do wrong so why would you be why would you be envious of people who do wrong isn't that an interesting thing that you know for, 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 for King David to say why would you envy the wrongdoing of people you know it says um for like the grass, they will they will soon wither, like green plant like green plants, they will they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord, and do good, dwell in the land and enjoy safe 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 pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will do this. He will make your righteous sh your righteousness shine like 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 the dawn, the justice of your cause, like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when, when, when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. He says it three times already. It only leads to evil. For evil men will be cut off but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. I just find that there is more benefit in, I don't know, um, five or six um, 
what's the word, eight um, verses in, in this paragra paragraph of Psalms than in maybe the last 10 years of me researching all those funny, quirky little things about the Bible. Um, it just makes me feel full of life again when I feel that God says, don't be afraid, don't be anxious, don't, don't be angry. I will take care of you. I will bless you. I will prosper you. I, I, will, I will give you the recognition that you deserve. You know, I will make your righteousness shine. I will uphold your cause. God will do that. And, and I just realized, oh, have I just wasted maybe the last 10 years of my life? <laughs> I think many people at work are saying to me, um, I'm going to some sort of midlife crisis. Um, I'm like, oh, really? Is that, is that what happens to people? Um, but isn't that true, right? Just reading a simple passage of the Bible, right, like that, where, where you are directly in contact with God and what God's got to say to you, is that, that just brings so much life into your bones, doesn't it? Instantly. And, and I feel if I would only realize that doing this more often it's 10 times or 100 times more beneficial than just chasing after all these funky, quirky little things of my own personal desires anyway. Um, next, we look at uh, lack of empathy. And this is, this is another big challenge because the result of um, your personal um, ambitions and you know, desires will lead you to something like this. Do you suffer fools gladly? If your answer is no, then you need to ask yourself why. Because you have to think that Jesus looked at the crowds, at the multitudes, and he had compassion. He had compassion. To be honest, I, I don't have compassion for a couple of my colleagues at work for like a, a second. They just drive me up. There's, there's this girl at work that just totally, totally just drives me mad. She's rude, she's condescending, she's arrogant, and every time you ask her for a favor, like not even a favor, just work-related questions. She just comes out with all kinds of attitude. It's just like, oh, you know. And then at that point, God said to me, um, you need to have compassion. I was like, no, I'm not having that. But isn't that just simply uh, who we are as people? I, I realize that the way I feel, right, isn't necessarily something specific about me. It is just the way we are as people. We, we don't have empathy. We don't. And other people might have more empathy than, than others. I certainly really, really struggle with empathy. I, I just, I don't care. I really don't. You know, I, I'm not interested. I don't want to know about other people. Uh, you know, people tell me stories. I'm like, uh, spare me the details. Uh, it really is that way, you know? Like, Saina sometimes comes home and he tells me these stories about work. And I'm like, I'm listening, but I'm not really listening. And, and I don't really care what happens at work for you because I'm more concerning myself in my little bubble. And really, God challenged me. He really did. And, and, and even standing here and having to admit it is, is quite embarrassing. But God said to me, you, you don't want to carry on wasting your life anymore, do you? Yes, so we'll go and do this now. Okay. Um, next, do you care for those who are worse off? And, and funnily enough, this, this one is also something that, you know, really is a big challenge because... I found, I found personally that the more I, I read about stuff and 
the, the more I spend time looking at all these theological divisions, you know, I spend uh, for a while I spend a lot of time looking at you know um, Christian Christian divisions within the Catholic Church, within the Roman Empire, wi within within Protestantism, the, the the American division, and all I feel is like, oh yeah, I know so much now, you know, oh, I feel, uh, you know, I'm not a nobody, I know stuff, but what does that matter when when maybe you you have people around you? And you couldn't care less about what they're going through, you know. You couldn't really care less. Uh, and uh, and I really feel God really has has put this in my heart that I just I just spend a few days just like you know almost almost looking like just constantly angry with myself because I've come to the realization that for such a long time I've done nothing. Literally, I've done nothing. You know, you know we we can go through the motions of like. Going to church, going to the prayer meeting, going to the home group, uh, and you think, yeah, you have a nice chat with people about stuff, and you know, work is doing alright, and you know, do, do I really care about those who are not as good as I am, you know? And again, this is the thing that I felt, yeah, you know, I'm such a hypocrite, you know. Um, and I said, well, okay, God, yes, you know, I'm not, I'm not really bothered with other people, so how can I start? Well, I start at home. <laughs> Start caring for people around you in the first place. And it really is difficult. It really is difficult because those people know you better than anyone else. So you cannot pretend that you're doing something for, for your little ego to grow a little bit. You, you, it needs to be genuine. And it really is difficult. And, and I would go and say that I think it's impossible if it's not by the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life. And that won't happen if you don't ask for it. It won't happen. The Holy Spirit will not come in and change you if you don't want Him to change you. And if you want Him to change you, it will put you in situations where you are really going to need the help of God to be able to pass on or, or, or go through situations without hating people. And when I mean people, I mean like your family, your husband, your wife, your kids. Because that's what happens. You say, okay, Lord, uh, I admit that I've been, I've been a fool, I've been blind, and uh, yes, I, I've been wasting my life away and energy away. So now I'm going to try to change it around. And you're like, you know. And God says, all right, let's see what happens if I do this. Boop, you know. And you're like, oh, no, you can't do that. And th this is when you need to say, all right, Lord, I'm losing it right now. So unless your Holy Spirit is real in my life right now and, and, and you come and, and you, like, you, know, you take it away from me, I'm just going to do exactly what I've done for the last 20 years. And you find that actually, even that is honest enough for you to actually receive something from the Lord. But it comes to the point that even to admit this level of, of honesty to yourself is very difficult. It's very difficult. You, you just can't be honest to yourself to the point that you say, well, I'm about to do this, and if no one stops me, I'm just doing it. You know? and, and I think when you come to that level of um, you know, honesty, although it sounds like so arrogant, even to that point, God still comes in and he gives you a little hand and he helps you, you know. Um, I've personally struggled a lot, you know, with the whole transition of moving from my old career in catering to what I'm doing now. And every once in a while, I still have that desire that I, I used to have so much more of a position before, you know, and now I'm doing all right, but, you know, I'm, I'm a kind of nobody person, really, you know. Uh, and again... I feel okay, but I've already, I've already realized that all that chasing after the wind before was totally useless. But it comes back to you, doesn't it? 
Why? Because you, you stay doing nothing. You just stay steady and the current just drags you back in into the middle of the ocean where you're completely powerless and you basically are at the mercy of the ocean. And, and in a sense, that's a bit like that in your personal life. And the last one is, um, are you concerned more with yourself than others? It's a bit more like what I said already. I, if you're constantly just thinking about you, what you want, how you're feeling, what you want to do next, then are you not giving or sparing enough thought for anybody else? And again, this is something that if you, if you were to sort of answer to the Lord, honestly, you will say, yes, I've done that. You know, I, I've just been completely concerned just with myself, you know. And, and this is, again, going back to what the desires of the world uh, want you to do. It wants you to be focusing on you, focusing on your desires and your ambitions and your career and your success and your recognition that you spare no thought for anybody else. No, nobody else, really, you know. And, and really, this is, again, something that I felt, Lord, why are you, why are you, you know, exposing me in front of all these people but having to admit that this is exactly who I am? <laughs> You know, um, because in a sense, if you don't admit it, if you don't come clean about it, if you're not able to say by God's grace and only by his grace, I can change, then you'll never change. You'll always keep it there in the closet, in the cupboard, you know, away from anyone. Nobody will know about it. Actually, doing this right now is so liberating. You know, it's just it's just the best feeling ever you get afterwards, because you know that now you, you're totally relying on God, on his grace, on his mercy, on his strength to get you through anything, you know, and, and, no, and people know that you're just being honest. And the minute you're honest, other people are much more helpful towards you as well. So what 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 benefit is it to keep it all in the in the closet and just keep up appearances, you know, absolutely pointless. But it's not all doom and gloom. <laughs> But the last thing I'd like to say is, out of the abundance of the heart, what happens? The mouth speaks. And this is, again, another thing that I found God challenging me on. And, um, you know, saying that sometimes, my wife sometimes says to me, well, what are you thinking all the time? Like, are you here? And <laughs> it's true. And I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm listening. But I find that sometimes God just challenges you at the most oddest of times. You know, I'm like eating or watching the news and something just pops into my mind and God is really challenging me right there and then, you know. Or it's happened to me plenty of times when I've been cycling to work and I'm just in my bike and riding to work and then right there and then God just brings this massive sort of, you know, revelation of what I've been saying, what I've been doing right there and then. And I'm like, oh, you know, and I go to work and I say, hi, everybody, you know. The next 10 minutes, I'm like, oh, you know, what, what have I said? Why did I say that? And then it came to me, and I realized, oh, now I know why I said that. Because that's, that's exactly what's in my heart. And, and this is the best way to say it. Have you ever had to apologize and you say this? I'm sorry, but I don't know where that came from. Well, now you know where that came from. It came from right in there. Because out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth is going to talk. So if you just feel like cursing and, and swearing and being absolutely rageous and out of control, you've got to ask yourself, what's, what's my heart full of? Really, because the Bible says, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. You know, Oh, yeah, yeah, but that was just a moment of rage. Well, yeah, it's a moment of rage. But in your rage, what's your heart likely to do? Again, a big challenge because everybody knows I like talking a lot. <laughs> 
and uh, I'm not I'm not really one for you know feeling you know actually just giving into my feelings very often you know I'm not a touchy feely person I'm not very emotional um, and and sometimes just even admitting this is very difficult it's really difficult you know um, so again God says are you allowing me to come into your life or are you just gonna pretend that you know other things are more important really is I suppose I should believe that again another another expression that we usually say but that leads quite nicely into actually people thinking what's what's in your heart when you say something like that well I suppose I, I should believe that you know I, is it that your heart is full of just unbelief that you don't really want to trust God in some certain area of your life it really is tough because for many years, right, this is, this is sometimes what you're really thinking all the time, right? You, you argue with God in your mind. You, you say to yourself, why should, I why should I believe that? And obviously, in front of people, you keep appearances. And, well, I guess we've got to believe that, right? You know? But, but honestly, in your heart, you, you don't believe a word. You really don't. And it really is difficult to believe in God sometimes. I won't, I won't deny it. And actually, to believe in God, it takes a supernatural work to actually believe in Him. That's why, you know, salvation is such a, a gift of grace from God, because you, you cannot get it of yourself, you know. And you need to ask for it if you want it. You really need to ask for it. But do you want it? Do you want Christ? Do you want God in your life? If the, if the answer is simply no, then at least admit it. And then God can begin to build from there. The last question is, it sounds nice, but, mm -hmm. you know, how many times have we say things like this, you know? And it really is a challenge, isn't it? Because it seems like it gives us no place to hide all the time. And, and you, you hate that feeling of feeling exposed, isn't it? Don't you just hate it when, when you're kind of like feeling powerless to basically like hide from your, your, yourself, basically. It really is difficult. I really feel, you know, in the last few weeks, I've been really challenged to, to basically talk about this, and I really didn't want to do it. I wanted to talk about I don't know, other stuff, you know? Stuff that sounds nice, stuff that, you know, other people can tap you in the back and say, well said, by the way. But, you know, having to stand here and say, God is challenging you to be honest with him and to just simply come to him as you are and admit that you're all of this is really difficult. It really is difficult. But I believe really God is in the business of bringing people out of their misery and into his, into his um, I wouldn't say his plan for you, but into his will for your life. But you've got to let him do it. You've got to want him to do it. You've you got to want to want God in your life. Some people are perfectly happy, you know, without God in their lives. Or that's at least what they will say. But do we desire God in our lives to the point that we're ready to let him do his work? Really, and his work isn't, isn't necessarily pleasant in our lives, but he, 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 brings, he brings fruits that are life to us and to other people. All right. He says, um, John 14, 9. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after having been among you so, such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? 
the words that I say, I do not speak of my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me. Or at least believe the works, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than this, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. And I felt to myself, well, that sounds really nice, but how did you get to this stage where this is how this is how you feel with God. Jesus, Jesus is giving you a clear indication here of what his relationship is with the Father. And, and with David, David says exactly the same thing. David says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And Jesus says, I don't do anything of my own accord. I do what, what, what the Father does. And then he says, ask me for anything, and I will give it to you. And I will give it to you. So what's 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 missing here? What's what's the missing link? I mean, both both texts more or less says the same thing. But what's the bit that's missing? The bit that's missing is what is the desires that you have in your heart, isn't it? If you're a person who doesn't want anything to do with God, then why would you ask God anything in the first place, isn't it? But but when you desire God, your desire is for God. You know, and God begins to work in your life, everything you will ask the Father will be given to you. Not, not because you're going to go and ask something like, oh, I want a Ferrari now, because you know that that's not just the desires in your heart towards God. God will change all of that. It will take away your ego, it will take away your pride, but it will give you wisdom, it will give you, it will give you joy, it, it will give you a word for other people that will heal people's hearts. And then when you're in that position, when you ask the Lord for things, God will give them to you. God will give you the career that you would like. But do you desire God more? Yes. I, I remember the days when I was unemployed. And I really, I really seek the Lord for my life. Because, you know, I was totally, you know, in no man's land. And God gave me the job I wanted. I wanted a job in accounts, and I, I got a job in accounts. I wanted to study, and God provided the money to, for me to study. God will give you the desires of your heart. But do you, do you want God more? And it's a real challenge. It really is a real challenge. And I found, for example, you know, it, it is quite funny because you seek the Lord and the Lord sticks to his side of the bargain. It will give you the things you want. And then when you want them, you kind of like walk away a little bit. You know, I found that since God blessed me with a job, since God blessed me with, with you know, going to India by providing, uh, you know, all the money that, that was required, you know, I found myself like saying, thanks God, I'll see you later. It really is that way, isn't it? You know, God blesses you, God sticks to his side of the promise, and actually you say to God, ah, God, that's really nice, but you know, I didn't actually promise anything to you back, did I? No, okay, well, I'll see you later then. I'll come back to you when I'm absolutely a mess, totally by myself, and I know you'll dig me out again. Isn't that really how we try to relate ourselves to God? Oh, God, I need this so bad. And you pray and you fast. And, and you know what? God, God hears that. He does. God, God is not a robot. <laughs> it's true. You know, 
when you cry out to God, he listens. And, you know, sometimes he gives you the things that you actually asked him. Because to begin with, you have actually come to God and asked him that. You know, a, a really good example of this is the story of the prodigal son. And most of the time, people think that the prodigal son is a, is a really good example of, of the lost, you know, humanity that's being basically brought to salvation and blah, blah, blah. But actually, it's a story of a, of a man and his son, you know. Sometimes I think we can overcomplicate the stories in the Bible. And this son says to his father, give me everything that belongs to me and I'm off. And his father gives, gives it to him, right? He does, doesn't he? And so many times, we, we as, as children of God, go and ask God for things, and God gives them to us. He does. And then we go completely and screw it up. Then God doesn't actually let us burn to death. He brings us back. Or at least his will is that when we turn back, he doesn't reject us. The son realized that he completely screwed up, and he went back to his father, and his father took him back. But we've got to ask ourselves a question. Have we now got so many blessings from the Lord? Have we now been so, like, in a sense, spoiled, you know, that now we feel like, you know, I think I can take it from now on, God. Thank you for your help, and uh, thank you for all that you've done. But I'll, ta- I'll take my job, I'll take my salary, I'll take my possessions, and, and I think I'll be all right on my own. And then what happens is we completely, completely, totally screw it up. But then this is, this is God's grace when he says, ask me again. Come back to God again, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Amen? So coming to the end, certainty beyond the grave. And uh, actually, I changed this, cha- this title yesterday because I felt what I was going to put before was actually not so um, uh, to the point. But one thing I've actually realized is that when, when you are truly at peace with God, right? You are, you are so, more, so much more concerned with what's to come, you know? You're not, you're not really concerned with, with what happened in Brexit. You're not concerned with your job. You're not concerned with the world's economy. You're not concerned with any of that. You're concerned with the things of God. And you, you have this certainty, this certainty, that your life is not only what you live today in the body, but way beyond that. And... And I just find so amazing that, personally at least, I have no, <laughs> it's not like I, I want to sound, oh, I'm fearless, but I really don't fear death to that sense, you know? And I know that, for example, God, God will provide for my family if I, if I was to pass away or whatever. I, I know that God is faithful, you know? I know that God is kind. I, I, I know that God loves Lost those who you know who who basically follow him and and uh, go after him you know to the point that you you are no longer really afraid of death you know as as I mentioned to Simon once and he he was quite impressed <laughs> I remember <laughs> and he mentioned it a few times um, I think when you get to a certain stage in your life and I said I said to him I really envy sometimes those people um, because they are so much closer to God than we are as people right now because any minute they'll be there, you know, in heaven with God. And I'm like, I want to go there. <laughs> but God says, no, maybe you got a bit more to redeem now and you got to do this and this and that. But as you approach the end of your life and you, and you are at peace with God, 
I'll, I'll, be, I'll be retired. I'll be doing nothing all day. I'll let someone feed me. And all I'll do is I'll just think about God's, God's presence. And then they can take me to bed. And I'll say, take me, Lord, now. And I'll be happy. You know, isn't that just great to feel like your life is safe in his hands to the point that you can sleep at night and just think of God taking you any minute. Just like when kids are waiting for their parents to be picked up at school, you know, any minute they'll be here. I think it's great. I think it's an amazing feeling to have. And John says, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You know, when, when Jesus speaks to our hearts, only Jesus can speak words that are actual life to, our, to ourselves, to our physical bodies. Like when, when, you, when you spend time reading the Word of God, you, you really, I feel literally at least like I feel better physically, you know, because it just gives you so much rest, you know. You, you know we live in a society that we're constantly stressed, we're constantly in a, sta a stage of anxiety, of nervousness, insecurity, you know, uncertainty. And when you, and that, that has a physical effect on your body. And when you, when, when you read the words of the Bible and you, you listen to the words of Jesus, he is literally life to your body. And second one, he says, John 14, 1, he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Again, believe in God, believe in me also, or believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that was not so, I would have told you that I am going to there I'm going, to, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and will take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. That, that doesn't just fill you with, with security and confidence, you know? I could spend maybe three hours or four hours reading all sorts of ancient manuscripts and find out about pointless stuff. But a few lines of reading what Jesus said, it, it just gives you so much life, doesn't it? And, and that's really my challenge. It's do we, do we really want God in our lives, or are we happy just to pursue our own ambitions and desires? Amen. Thank you, guys.